0: For
1: you. Well, (laughs) it's us. I know it's felt a lot like I. Apologies to any listeners if you're a regular. We haven't been as regular on this ourselves. Thank goodness for the binging era right now. It's all me. It's my doing. I am. Anyone who is just tuning in, or, well, I suppose, since this is going to anyone that is. Regular listening, then you know you would know by now about my my struggles here with the whole autism seizures and such the last while. So I've been pretty burnt out, and not a, we're not as regular on these podcasts as we want to be, but hopefully that should be uh, hopefully I should be getting on the right track soon. If you start seeing these coming out regularly soon, then you'll know I'm on the right track. Pretty much. Well, we were going to talk about trauma today again. We've got... Well, yeah, because we,
0: we're going gonna to finish hmm? the season out with that, so yeah, this is the so, second to last one.
1: So we will get into that. How have you been? We barely have talked. Well... We haven't been having our late night discussions that much lately.
0: Well, I've been I've been in hibernation mode.
1: I have been, been in burnt an- out
0: mode. I haven't even been answering my phone that much.
1: So Yeah, welcome to our household where we all get hyper focused in certain areas.
0: For me it's the it's well, you identified this for me a couple a few months ago, I would say, that I get seasonal changes but i it seems i only do it twice a year which to me makes sense because i grew up caribbean so i only grew up with two seasons yeah you know so for me there is that there's the propensity for season change in me because we have two seasons in the caribbean (laughs) it's wet it's dry (laughs) You know, it's either hurricane season or burn your skin off season. one of the two.
1: You've always had go season and calm down season.
0: Well, yeah. Basically, here. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it's changed to here, being here.
1: That's a good opening, though, to the generational trauma, because actually it's an interesting concept that things pass on through generations. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it does that with culture, too, and such. Even your parents would be used to that.
0: Well, I think for any older... Any older people, like, older than me who have had Caribbean experience, and when I say Caribbean experience, I mean either born there, grew up there, or continue to travel back and forth there. (laughs) There. And you know this is this this is a weird thing for me because I don't have that same connectivity that most Caribbean people have to want to go back and forth all the time. I never have, and it it's one of the things that has always kind of separated me from a lot of Caribbean people the any anytime I meet them. Within the first five questions, there's always the one, Have you been back? And mm, no. <laughs> right? Like, I've had, you know, I've had family members in the past be like, What do you mean? You, you don't want to go back to your roots. I was like, I don't feel like they're my roots. And it doesn't mean that I don't identify with the country of my birth, but in the grand scheme of things with my shamanic knowledge, I don't feel like that's my roots.
1: To be realistic, you've spoken before about how you would prefer to go find the African roots of your family more than you would prefer to go back home beyond showing, you know, myself and our little one what you grew up with. Beyond Mm -hmm. that... Which you do pretty well with some videos and such that you find these days.
2: Yeah, I do. Uh,
1: You've spoken about wanting to go find where your ancestor, as legend goes, flew back to.
0: Yeah.
1: Trying to follow that. You've spoken about that a lot more. Mind you, when I think about it, you could... It's, in a sense, a little bit of a trauma response, I'm wondering, because... Oh, definitely. Well, you've spoken about how growing up you you did grow up in in your your country, you'd be like a you know, national celebrity back then because the band your parents had was top mm-hmm. gospel band and you got a lot of crap for it from peers, like other kids your age. There were expectations on you from all of all ages, deciding exactly what or how you should be and what they want you to do and such. This so is- a lot of your association there would be with a lot of. Well, I mean, naturally, that trauma, not having that kind of a, the kind of childhood that you would have been calmer in.
0: Well, in a sense, but, I mean, it's one of the things that has always defined my level of understanding of celebrities, especially child stars who I've watched over the years like do so much dumb shit. Like, I get it, because I grew up in that in that kind of lifestyle, but in a very, very, very tame version of it, because, you know, we were gospel, you know, a gospel band back in the day. And with the religion that I grew up in, it was not much channel even I mean, there was a lot of that going on around us with a lot of the other Christian bands. But my parents were very, very formidable in keeping us outside of all of that. Like there was a lot of drama. Even when I was a teenager and still in the band, there was a lot of drama of other teenagers who were performing and you know getting their rocks off all the time <laughs> and my parents kept me away from that so I still was an outcast even though we were like within the top 3
1: and I still think it's a bit of a interesting concept when you consider trauma because the way I look at it is yes that may all be very true but does that not in a sense generationally then bring out the propensity that you would want to avoid drama and for you a lot of your Caribbean life had a lot of drama you've told me about
0: oh all the time
1: the girl recently before you moved to Canada that how that had ended you told me about the drama with your brother you know,
0: yeah that I mean we, we addressed that like, like with my brother we addressed that like earlier on and then I also talked about that on on the other podcasts, um, Not Your Average Shaman. Mm -hmm. So it started with me being able to actually talk about it in public on Not Your Average Shaman. That was the first steps of me, like, finally getting over it. You know, so it did. Your
1: your response to it, though, is where I'm talking about, as a good example of generational trauma, the way you took the trauma and what you did with it. Because it was very much in line with what your parents would do with it.
0: Like, how do you mean?
1: Well, the issues that you had, I see you still doing this with things. You tend to be a lot like your dad, like pushing it. Just kind of pushing it under, not talking about it too much. But also Mm, like like dealing with it. So it's kind of like a deal with it and be done with a thing. Which is very much how you treat going back you did the thing there and you know certainly it's it's where you come from and you don't harbor bad feelings by any means but Mm. some things happened there you can't see any like we've discussed about whether or not you'd want to go back and what that would look like and it's always just to go see the beauty of it things that you appreciate, but you have no desire to, like, live a livelihood there because you felt like you had completed all you could there. Well, exactly. So it was like, you know, you had some bad experiences and you'd completed all you could, time to move on.
0: Well, I know my family's still mad about me not wanting to go there. Like, they're, they're like, legit. I know some of them are, like, legit pissed off that I don't want to go because they were trying to get me to go and be on, you know, on the family land and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But... They don't. The thing that they don't understand, in the context of what we're talking about, is that for me, that's not my land. I don't care how many family members are might be listed on it. It's not mine. Like do you understand what I mean? And that's it. It's not selfish to say that, but it is the understanding that if it's not mine, then at any point in time. I could be removed from that. If I don't play along, if I don't play nice, or if I don't do something that somebody wants to do, you know, it's not mine. And I'm not going to put myself in that situation again in the same country where I've been in that situation. Right. Like, Like, you understand what I mean? Like that's, and that's the part of generational trauma that I... For me personally, I don't understand why... Someone would see a pattern like that and still put themselves back in that position over and over and over and over again. Is to some... me, I think that's that's an even worse situation of generational trauma, where you you openly see the pattern, but you go put yourself back into that same bullshit again. Like that's to me, I don't understand that.
1: Well, I think this conversation is going to make. Well, that's kind of the point here: is having conversation like this in the public forum i mean people don't talk about generational trauma that much or not that i'm Mm -mm. aware of Mm -mm. certainly haven't seen or heard of it much and we're on between the two of us enough social media and research things and question things and on enough of these things to know that it's not spoken about the way i think it needs to be
0: there are some podcasts Um, that are on it like that but i don't i don't i don't hear them talking about it in this level of raw format. that's yeah, just I don't
1: think it's reached a fad state or anything yet, but I want to bring attention to an article I had read, and at this point, this may have been a few months ago, so I don't have the article all quotable precisely, but basically it was an interesting consideration, and it was on more of how... In- generational trauma can affect like physical outcome basically it was about the potato famine in ireland because now we're several generations removed from that and it was talking about how many irish people struggle right now with i think well i remember there was like diabetes and obesity and i think like maybe high cholesterol or high blood pressure maybe both those types of issues you know, and a little more gout, and then it was, there was some research done on this, and the thought with that, or the, the indications from that is that it does have to do with the potato famine, because basically, you know, people were starving and dying, left, right, and center, like, there was a lot of death, so say you're starving, like, you got nothing, but you still get pregnant, Uh, you know, like, As you're starving, that baby's going in utero is going to use every single micronutrient that it can get. Mm -hmm. So that baby's born, still, you know, in life, you know, getting very minimal nutrients. Its body has now been completely built for optimal gathering of nutrients. It is going to survive, the body itself is going to survive no matter I know you're trying to show me an article or something about the potato famine.
0: I don't know. I'm just taking to see if I found the same one you were. Okay. Thinking.
1: Well, we can discuss that after the podcast, maybe, and then see if we can post it, if I can find that article. I think I saved it somewhere, somewhere but I don't remember what platform. But oh, anyway, the point right. is mm-hmm. that you take this baby, you know, being born, and it now has the ability to, like, super take in nutrients like from any possible source because it's designed to survive right we're we're designed for survival so it's going to do that with the most minimal of whatever it can do and yes i know tons and tons of babies did not make it but those that did survive that's the point the ones that did survive were the ones that were able to get through with the optimized metabolism and such and ability to take in those new nutrients, use every single piece of it, waste none and be able to still manage to have enough energy to survive. So they have children with someone else who's got that same genetic code of optimal nutrient absorption now a couple generations later or then you know when food no longer is so scarce and even nowadays especially when we really don't have a food you know food scarcity like the potato famine we haven't been so removed that our bodies have adapted because we're not in a survival situation we're just in an optimal situation but the bodies of these potato famine descendants have been optimized oh my gosh i'm not getting that word right geared towards
0: how about we use adapted
1: yes adapted (laughs) for taking every single piece of nutrients so say now let's say you go i i don't know like let's just say like their bodies may be able to operate on even 600 calories a day that's what their body is now genetically designed for and here we are there's no problem getting 1200 1500 2000 calories in a day. That would cause a lot of those issues like obesity and such. It's not that they're eating more than anybody else. They're probably eating less, you know, like less than a model at times and still getting overweight because of the adaptation of the body through generation. And in there there was a bit about how it also affects oh yeah because they also mentioned things about depression and mental health issues that were also kind of came along with that mm. and anyway it, it really raised an interesting jump off research point for me mm-hmm. and at that point I only knew from a bit of what you've told me and what we've discussed about the concept of generational trauma but it is clear we pass on enough genetic code that say you ha- and I mean this is apart from nature versus nurture like we're not even talking nurture this is just nature itself some of these genetic codes even in what we think is just mental they do get passed on and we know that in a lot of a lot of your studies a lot of your spiritual studies you found the scientific research to back a lot of that up we've had mm-hmm. a few good discussions so you've got you actually have it in both nature and nurture that you will take on a lot of those trauma responses of your parents, grandparents, and such.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, with okay. even even with that aspect of it, based on all of the DNA research now and science finally understanding, well, finally letting out that they understand that DNA can be programmed. It is a very interesting time in the way that science is letting this out now after so many years of research because they've mapped the brain and they've mapped DNA. So they understand that this is one of the big things that came out recently, that based on everything that they know about DNA now from the thousands of tests that they've done over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I think, Darwin is heavily in question. Like, heavily in question. And, you know, the majority are still trying to hold on to the Darwinism concept, even in the face of all of that that's been produced, saying, "Mm, it's not likely... The, the level to which they have found that our human DNA is individual, it's pretty it's, it's dark for Darwinism like pretty dark okay. and then they're gonna they, they are at the point where they have to legitimately consider squashing the whole theory because of the amount like for for human DNA, human DNA literally started its existence at a very specific point in time and has been the same. Like, just human DNA has been the same. And for reference, what they referenced in that article was that just as how birds are genetically the same... There's differentiation, but the, at the core DNA, birds are genetically the same. They're all birds. That's the way human DNA is. We're all humans. So that brings up a whole bunch of other things, I mean, which we' just outside of the scope of what we're talking about. But it, bringing that up to say that your, your point on us experiencing generational trauma, the information is coded in the dna The dna codes a lot of things and if you can understand the way that it's coded then it is one aspect to helping to undo your traumas so one of the other things that helps with that understanding is the thymus so just just so everybody is fully aware like I'm not a medical doctor in, in any way shape or form so don't 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 take what i say as gospel but my observation of all of the information that i read from medical text et cetera, show that the thymus is one of the main connecting points and i know like a not a lot of like nurses and stuff they don't even realize how important It is why they tell newborn, new parents to hold the baby up, you know, way high up on their chest. A lot of them don't have a clue as to why. They just know that you're supposed to do it. Now, from the spiritual side, the thymus is that area that allows unbreakable connection. And it's not just about skin to skin. It is about having a direct galvanic connection. So when I say galvanic connection, galvanic response is one of the technologies that that has led to haptic technology. Haptic technology is used widely in the gaming industry so that when you're in the game, it fully engages all of your senses well as many of your senses as possible so there's a haptic response if you're running there's a haptic response if you're shooting because the haptic suit you're wearing has all of these vibration triggers so wherever you're feeling it wherever your activity is in the game there's a physical haptic response in the suit if you get shot in the game in your arm, there's a trigger response in the suit to be shot to feel a sh- feel like an actual shot in the arm, and that has to do with haptic responses, which come from galvanic responses. Apple was is probably the most recognizable technology producer that uses galvanic response. the apple
1: watch and such in
0: the apple watch
1: like measuring your heartbeat and exactly
0: it it, the and people think it's just under the watch no it's in the band too it's in the actual wristband so that galvanic response is a very real thing that these large companies have researched over 20 years i was
1: gonna say i just want to quickly interrupt it is mm -hmm. very scientific actually my preemie's book Mm. Talked a little bit about how the thymus gland works with that.
0: Right. Right? So, and and just to kind of push that even further, in in the shamanic way of studying things, you understand that the thymus is that connection between mother and child. And those first nine days are the most important days for the child to be high up on your chest. In other words, the child's thymus must literally be sitting directly on the parent's thymus. And that is how genetic coding DNA information is passed across externally. There's an internal passing along that happens in the uterus, But once they're outside physically, then they have to get that external information to complete the data set. And if they get that from both the mother and the father within that nine day period, then the child gets a complete data set from both parents.
1: It does make a big effect in trauma. Again, we are getting further into the trauma part of it, but understanding the basis to this is key. Now this really reminds me of a series that I'm enjoying as my my, binge, You know, everybody has their trash TV, per se, thing. Mm-hmm. That's just utterly ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm watching one called Mom. It's a sitcom.
0: I seen um, it and, and I told myself, nope, not <laughs> going to do it.
1: Right. Anyway, I'm doing it. Just here and there. But I'm getting... Like, I think I might be in the last season of it now at this point. But anyway, the concept of generational trauma comes up a lot in that series. So just to give the Cliff Notes version of the series, like the two main characters are Bonnie and Christy. So Bonnie's the mother, Christy's the daughter. They're both grown when they reconnect. But basically, the thing is, they're both alcoholics. They've done drugs, the whole nine yards and such, and are now sober. They go to regular you know, AA meetings and all this, and it's about, you know, kind of chronicling the thing. But in this, with this genera- generational trauma thing, you learn that Bonnie, the mother, she was actually in foster care growing up from the age of four. You only learn, learn later on her mother and father actually loved her very much, but after her father died in a you know, freak accident, her mother like completely had no money and thought it best to give her up for adoption you know to give her a better you know give her up to foster care for adoption stuff thinking she would have a better life Mm -hmm. it's not really the case so the bonnie character there is the mother you know bounced around foster home to foster home turns out she had add as well so that wouldn't have helped Mm -hmm. but the thing is she's bouncing around nothing stable really so lo and behold age 17 you know she's run away from home and everything and she does get uh, pregnant Mm -hmm. And at that point, like she'd been into drugs and alcohol for a few years, but she apparently she kind of, you know, sobered up for the sake of the pregnancy or, you know, mostly as as she puts it Mm -hmm. and then has the baby. Well, that's Christy. And she grew up with her mother, Bonnie, being drunk and high and such all the time leaving her in random places just sometimes living out in a vehicle doing weird things going along on like drug like selling missions and stuff and just all kinds of stuff basically she didn't have proper figure Mm -hmm. and bring up the generational trauma because then sure enough christy did the same got into drugs and alcohol at a fairly young age like about 11 she had her first drink apparently and she had, you know, she got m- married to a guy who was <clears throat> also in drugs and alcohol. They did have a child, and, like, basically, or, yeah, she had the one girl, Christy, had a child, a little younger, and it was a terrible guy. She left him, but then when she did get married, you know, they still had a child, and he was also, he was a stoner and so on. Mm-hmm. So we're creating gen- in generational trauma in this series. And it, I'm just saying this because it does reflect a lot of clients we've come across, a lot of people we've helped. It's not far-fetched at all, by no. any means. It's no. actually scarily true. Uh, they just make up a, a funny little sitcom out of it. But the point is here, then Christy, her daughter, has grown up with Christy also being an alcoholic and everything. Like, Christy sobers up at age 37 her, when her daughter is 17, Mm -hmm. So the Bonnie and Christy characters there, the mom and the daughter that are the main characters there, they sober up basically about the same time. They run into each other. They start to, you know, rekindle the relationship. But that's kind of the premise to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But Christy's daughter is 17 and her son is like nine at that time or something like that. Mm -hmm. And her daughter completely messed up. In, In the series, her daughter ends up going through her own issues she got pregnant early she gave up the baby though you know and went through a drug and alcohol thing when she cleaned up she did a podcast about all the trauma and it went viral and everything Jeez. <laughs> but the child then cut off all ties with the mother there christy mm-hmm. like didn't want anything to do with her and the son you know by about 12 when the dad kind of got cleaned up and got with a good woman who was kind of helping him ease down on everything, and it was very much in his character. He went to live with them, didn't live with his mother. So think about the level of trauma going on there. You're into the third generation, all stemming from Bonnie, you know, being abandoned at the age of four, you know, into foster care by her mother. Yeah. That's how simple it can get to create generational traumas like that.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, okay, so let's take it on on the black side, right? You have slavery. And the amount of issues that that has produced, I mean, there are so many stories, real stories that were never told about the deeper connections that were had because of slavery that brought families together. But then you had those units having to learn survival techniques that became obsolete but still got passed on generation after generation. Then those survival techniques had to be refined because the same issues keep happening over and over again because those issues are more refined. I mean, it's no secret. Everybody knows that there is multiple levels of slavery that are happening to the entire world all the time. So the smarter the slavers get is the smarter the slaves have to get. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> the The trauma gets reinforced upon the realization that those who have been causing the trauma no longer use the unrefined methods so that's one of the other things that continue to perpetrate traumatic response generationally speaking you know like those are real effects it doesn't mean that if if you're experiencing generational trauma that you have to succumb to it because there are ways to step outside of those effects of generational trauma but what it means is that you have to be consistently aware and you have to separate your awareness from your emotional response to it. You know, like, so. I've got
1: a really interesting story for that. Okay. It's actually my dad. Like, mm-hmm. most have probably heard at this point, I'm not terribly impressed with him or anything, but he did a pretty interesting thing overcoming generational trauma and a lot of his siblings did too but like especially for my dad and his older two like I think one of his older brothers may have actually been pretty rank and I understand you know here's the thing my dad did grew up in an abusive household like his dad yes died when he was 13 but he, as they say, they did beat the shit out of everybody, the kids. I believe my grandmother. People don't talk about it much, but I'm pretty sure, from what I, from what I do understand, I'm 99% sure that the only reason my grandparents on that side were married was because my grandma got pregnant. Mm. Now, I'm just speculating here. But from the stories I heard about my grandfather and how abusive he was, who knows whether or not that was a consensual act. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's the level we're talking here. Mm -hmm. So my dad grew up, I mean, verbal abuse, physical abuse, and he always swore he wouldn't, he, he he told me he swore he would never hit his own kids. Now, that was not entirely true. I'm pretty sure he didn't actually hit my brother, like beyond a few spankings. I did get a few. I mean, I got a f- quite a lot of spankings, but he did hit me a few times. Never more than like twice in a row, though, mm-hmm. and not often. And yeah, he was pretty verbally nasty to me. But there was a turning point. He didn't do it until I was like, I was about nine years old when that started happening. Mm. So he beat it for quite a while, and that's just one right there. And here I am, also in the next generation, working really hard to make sure none of that comes out of my own childhood. I mean, my mom had a nervous breakdown at one point, and I'm pretty sure she, she's on the spectrum somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully, she, you know, she probably won't listen to this ever, but I mean, yeah, she's probably there. She, she's always been prone to freaking out easily and a lot of things bug her. So I come from you know, very delicate, tiptoeing kind of a childhood. And here I am working hard to make sure our little one doesn't grow up around anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways. I mean, you can take that generational trauma thing and work at committing to... Bettering it, so you can succeed. I mean, like, yeah. Again, my dad maybe not be a perfect thing, but it reminds me of in this in the series there the Christie who eventually got better. I mean, he kind of went the opposite way, but you know, better for at least part of the life. And that's an interesting concept. And the next generation did a little better, and you know it.
0: I think one of the things that I had to face squarely after I became fully aware that i was experiencing generational trauma is generational trauma is not exclusive and it's definitely not partisan there there is no i forget the word to use now but basically generational trauma doesn't go around picking choosing who it is what it is if if your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your great-great-grandparents going all the way back did some fucked up shit, I promise you, that shit is in your DNA. It is in you, and whether it's dormant or not, becomes thing that you have to truly discover. But it's there. It's there in your DNA. Fortunately, it's not like how... Alcoholics Anonymous like to put it, you know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. That's not the case with it.
1: With generational trauma. With you generational
0: say. trauma, even with alcoholic stuff, it's still not the case.
1: Not always. Um, they take a really interesting approach because it does suit for a lot, but that—that's not what this is about. Go go on about how the generational yes. trauma.
0: So as far as generational trauma is concerned, that's one thing I had to face, up, face off with, that it was not exclusive. I wasn't special in this thing that I was experiencing, but I had to face that I was truly experiencing it. And I needed to make a decision on what I was going to do about it. And you got to remember, like, I had nobody to tell me this. I had to sit down and figure the shit out myself. Because I had nobody to talk to. Because everybody was having generational traumatic responses. What do you mean you got problems? Just keep that shit to yourself. Like That was always the response and variations thereof. So I had to figure this shit out myself. And it's one of the reasons why I don't really have a lot to do with a lot of family. Because that's, that's their MO. So why would I introduce my child to that. Like, you understand what I'm saying? So, for me, one of the big key things, regardless of who it hurts, is I have to be responsible, not for being a buffer, but I have to be the stopper to stop that trauma from proceeding any further than myself. I am aware that stops. Period.
1: And we've discussed, of course because it's such a close thing, your family quite a bit, because there are some very clear things that most of your family do that you cannot abide as soon as you recognized it in yourself and put a stop.
0: Yeah, I had to.
1: Do you want to give some examples, though, of some of those things that you've... That, well, we have spoken about before, but some of those black culture things that have stemmed from slavery.
0: Well, one of the one of the main ones, and I mean... Anybody listening to this who is Caribbean will know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't leave the house looking ashy. Like this is a this is a mainstay classic in any black family. Whether you're American black or African black or or Caribbean black is the number one you can't leave the house looking ashy.
1: Um, right. As a white person you might want to describe just, what just, that is. I'm
0: getting to that. Right? and that ashiness is where your skin has that sort of calcium cracked look you know where your skin is so dry that basically if, if i remember this properly it's basically just that your your skin is so dry that the the salts from the sweat just they show if if i, if I remember this correctly right so you, your skin As dark skin goes, when that dryness happens, it looks like ash. That was the reference way, way back in the day. And when I say way back in the day, I'm talking about slavery days. Now, where this comes from, it's pretty disgusting. Because imagine that the slavers are bringing people packed in like sardines across the water. I know a lot of you don't know this, but sea blast is a very real thing, right? The saltwater air hitting your skin will dry your skin out. And if you stay in it for a very long time, it will crack your skin. So imagine that they're (laughs) pulling these people in this boat that's not a modern boat, right? And coming across the ocean with all that dryness that's happening, and then they finally get to where they're trying to sell the slaves. When they come off that boat, you have a lot of black people looking like ash, and that will not sell. So what the slavers used to do is they would hose them down wash them wash them because i mean they're full of filth and all that sort of stuff so you have to wash them down and then they would oil them down and sometimes they would use baby baby powder to make them smell better so now you have baby powder sticking to oily skin and sometimes they wouldn't use the baby powder and sometimes they would just use the oil alone to make them shine because the shininess made them look healthier in order for them to sell better. And I know hundreds of thousands of black people that still don't understand that this is where that statement comes from. You can't look ashy leaving the house. But when I found this out in my deep research, it hit me so hard because it was something that my mom always said My dad never said it, to be quite honest. My dad never once said it. My mom was always the one who said it. And it always bothered me when she said it. Of course, I'm a kid. I didn't really have a choice in the matter. I hated it. I hated that statement. And I didn't know what to do about it then. I just knew that this was an extremely uncomfortable statement for me to hear all the time. Because as a kid, you know, you just, you just want to go outside and play. You don't give a shit about whether or not your skin looks ashy. What the fuck is ashy anyways? like you, you're not thinking about that. So years later, going through this metamorphosis, you know, to try to address the changes, this was a big one for me in order to address the generational traumas that I was responding to. And that's when I made a very firm decision. I'm done. I'm done using lotion. Fuck lotion. I mean, you know that. I didn't, I didn't use lotion for, what, almost three years.
1: Like, unless it was really specific. Like, you felt too dry to function. Yeah. But that was really rare.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, just bear in mind, like, I needed to do this. in order. that's what it took for me to get that shit out of my system to just mindlessly put lotion on because my skin looked ashy. There's so many ways to address skin dryness from a dietary perspective or, you know, natural emollient perspective, you know, the the environmental perspective, you know, is the air around me actually dry? I could use a, a humidifier because my skin, being the largest organ, can process this. You know, mm, to to yeah. provide my skin with the right combination to decrease the dryness,
1: and you've done really well with finding a lot of other solutions. Oh, I had to, and now after that, after a couple of years of working on this, or so, a few years, you're okay with using lotion sometimes.
0: Well, now, now I can, now I can you know, it's a if, if, if I want to, I do, but I don't do it out of. Uh, Generational demand.
1: Mm -hmm. It's usually more in connection with, you know, a massage. Pretty much. As an enjoyable thing. Yes.
0: I'm a lot more conscious about what I use on my skin.
1: You used to not leave the house without making sure you were properly lotioned.
0: Every time. It was an automatic thing, but I never understood why that was an automatic thing in my head. So understanding the connection to something as simple as that is what helped me to be able to mentally break free from that and to be able to address it properly in my head. I guarantee, I mean, in, in, any black person listening right now would probably think I'm fucking crazy as fuck, but I don't really give a shit about that because that's how serious you have to be about retaining your, your true self. You, you can't let any other ideas pervade that mind that belongs to you
1: and you've spoken about another number of other things like mindset is a very big one and how certain parts you, like certain members of the community act in certain ways and well, such And you,
0: another one would be uh, there are a lot of people, black people who are afraid of dogs they see dogs they do they want nothing to do with them Or like, for example, like the comedian, Kevin Hart, he, he doesn't do insects, you know, like he, he, I don't know if he's putting it on, if he's acting, whatever, but almost every single interview and people know this about him now, so they'll try to freak him out with stuff, you know, like they'll bring bats around or birds around and he just freaks the fuck out, you know what I mean? It's not just him. There are a lot of black people who have that same response. Another big, big response with black people is snakes. You know, like even my uncle was—they let my snake die when I left because he won't, you would, you refused to feed it. Like you know what I mean? Like that—that that kind of response, because somewhere in the psyche. Everybody believed that the snake is a pure, evil representation of of the devil. So you want the devil in your house. And this is precisely the reason why I got a pet snake. Because I needed to understand for myself, is this creature evil? I needed to know that for myself. I had my snake for, what, five years. Wherever I moved, I had my snake for five years. In fact, my snake was so well connected with me, that if I brought a girl home, that snake would let me know if she was trash or she was gas <laughs> Like we literally had an agreement <laughs> the first time she did it, I didn't understand it and when and that girl that girl she actually left. of course, this was in my my super single days. so when that girl left. You know, as I as I would normally. Okay, everybody has a thing that they do with their pet, and you know, you hang out with your pet, whatever. And so I used to take her out a lot, and she would just sit with me. You know, whether I was watching TV or whatnot, she would just, you know, she would sit on my arm, sit on my neck, or you know, just you know, she'd be up in my hair because I had like a whole bunch of hair at that time. You know, so we were cool, and. This is, those quiet times when I had her out and when I was, you know, I just sit and talk with her, I would watch her eyes and see that she actually focused on me when I was talking. She would turn her head every time I spoke to actually look at me. And those were the times i wait a second, she's actually having a, a physical response. When I didn't talk, she would either just sit there and just sleep on my arm, or she'd be ready to go. Like, she used to let me know when she needed to go poop, so she would, like, get all wriggly and stuff, and then I would have to put her back into her terrarium, and then she would promptly, the second she was in there, she would just drop a, drop a booze. <laughs> like, that's how close I was with my snake. So when when the second moment came around where she actually, you know, cause of course, you know, girls come, Oh, you have a snake. Oh my God. I don't want to see it. Can I see it? Oh my God. I don't even, ah. <laughs> so when I take her out, you know, and I was, I would tell her like, you have to let her choose if she's going to come to you. And there were sadly, there were quite a few girls where she would smell them with her tongue and then literally, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew the date was over. It's like, okay, time for you to go. <laughs> I gotta sleep. Got an early day. <laughs> Fuck out my house. <laughs> so I understood it. I understood that language. And so for me, snakes are not evil. Snakes are not a representation of the devil try convincing other black people that they, they'll just put me in a corner and be like you stay over there, you hang out with snakes, fuck you like and, and that's deeply generational like not recognizing, not recognizing the intelligence of a creature as far back as I can remember I've always been that person like you can't just tell me some bullshit that I'm just gonna sit there and believe I'll check it out always been that present it's only you know as I got older, I had to get a lot better at it because again you know <laughs> the the treachery gets smarter so you have to like up your smart game to recognize when those things are hidden so that you could a, you're not you know you're not susceptible to the bullshit. You know, there are a lot of things that have changed in the way that, you know, powers that be try to reinforce generational traumas that they caused and they be in a general statement. But it just means you have to be smarter about recognizing it. If, you know, if the person's listening right now, if you can identify that you are going through generational trauma, you know whether it's from your parents or from your grandparents or from you know first and foremost don't don't blame them cuz you can't change them like there's no way that you could like mentally or physically change them and their perspective so just let that shit go like don't even don't even go that route it is not, that is not a route that is going to produce anything valuable for you. You know, the moment that you recognize it, this is when you have to take it upon yourself to understand, okay, where, where did this generational trauma start? And then you have to figure out, you know, what you're going to do about the things that actually affect you like that. Because if you can correct it step by step, then it's going to give you the best case scenario. Like this, is, this is how you truly win. You have to be able to truly accept what you are experiencing does come from a sort of a mental genetic coding from other people in your life. And sometimes, in some rare cases, you're not even related to them. It's just because you consider that person to be a parental figure to you. And you're going to get that same famous connection because that's how connections work.
1: My stepdad might be a good example. Mm-hmm. Now, without going into all the details, I think he was adopted. Mm. But he knows a number, I think he actually knows all of his biological siblings, even half siblings now. And even my mom has remarked on how there's some really wild similarities between him and his biological siblings. Mm. But yet, a lot of his values come from his parents, like Who the ones adopted. he knows, like his adopted parents, the ones that he knows to be his parents. Mm-hmm but he has a lot of little quirks that are just like his biological siblings. Mm-hmm. And by biological, I mean like they're...
0: Yeah, like blood-related. Yeah.
1: Blood-related in some... Like, I think they're all half-siblings, but still some pretty wild things that came through nonetheless.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's been a really... You know, that could be a really interesting thing cool. to consider that... Like, I'm just bringing that up because it's interesting to take a look at someone like that and see... That if there were certain bad things, you could even adopt it. There's going to be some things that still come through because it's connected to DNA. But then also, you're going to learn a lot from, you know, the parents that adopt you. A lot of that's going to come down and pass down to you, too. Yeah. Because frugalness comes from his own parents, for example. But then But then it's, you know, it's a smart frugalness. It's a farmer's frugal.
0: Right. But he had to accept that. Right. And this, ah, okay. is, this, this is one True. of the big points of recognizing generational traumas. You, you have to realize whether or not it is a conscious decision you made or a subconscious decision or even an environmental decision that you made, the only way that that DNA data is passed on is if you accept it and how do i understand that that is a is a statement of truth look at any family where they are absolutely well off like the kids could want for nothing and yet those kids go into absolute anarchy i've watched this in Saskatchewan like when I was heavily involved with hip hop and there were a lot of kids who like they were living on like <laughs> you know like in the well lit well done areas their parents could buy them any instrument anything they wanted you know they, they would literally drop like 50 grand in a day and help them build a studio and it, these little shits were trying to rap about drugs guns and and bitches they would purposefully put themselves in situations where they could experience it just so they could rap about it you understand this is what i'm saying like you have to be the one to actually accept that generational data that's being presented from the thymus connection because if you reject it then you do the opposite you do the opposite of what your generation has done, the generations before you, that is. So this, this is a big, big part. I know that for a lot of people it might be debatable, but my observation has led me to understand very clearly. You have to be the one to accept it. Whether you're doing so consciously or not, like you have to choose that. You have to choose to accept that generational data. You have to choose to be like, oh, okay, well, this is what I gotta do, okay. Like you have to, you have to acquiesce to it.
1: I I find an understand it to me when I hear the word accept. I want to immediately go against the grain for that.
0: I've always been the same way.
1: So, to be clear, the acceptance we're talking about it's more of an understanding. It's like if you understand the concept, you. You can continue learning that thing so it's really it's more about sitting with an understanding that this has occurred even if you're anything like me you can even list it out you know what things this is affecting and whether or not you're happy with those certain aspects whether or not you feel you want to change any of them the generational trauma really does make a big impact on you like what you see here feel and even what's in your dna past when you discover these things in any way if you've seen it in your in you know your parents your grandparents and such even sometimes aunts and uncles when you see these things and they reflected on you it is a time to take a moment and especially when you're going through a lot of the processing of anything that bugs you or any of your own traumas it is good to take a look further back to see how that may have affected your own response and whether or not that needs adaptation. Some of the people we've helped, I mean, when we've learned their origin story, that's why we kind of get an origin story. Mm -hmm. Because when you understand that, you understand with a bit more clarity how or why someone would respond in the way they are. But it also helps with repairing anything that needs repairing or wants repairing or change.
0: Yeah, I think it's also important to try to find the best way to put this. I think it's also really important to take action against fear because one of the other reasons why I know for a fact a lot of people won't do anything about their generational trauma is because there is such a strong, aggressive response from those who perpetuate the trauma. And well, when, you're, when you're dealing with family members...
1: Look at your family.
0: Well, You've made
1: your flack for doing anything against the grain, and that's not exactly in a very specific manner.
0: Yeah, 100%. And you, you, have to, you have to understand that if you're going to address that generational trauma in you, that it's going to take a significant amount of balls of steel. And dare I say, titanium. Because family will go against you; they'll tear your ass out too. And I know, like in in a lot of black culture, on the lower end, the number one pushback is "Who the fuck do you think you are?" Like, "What the fuck do you think you? You think you're something special?" Like, you can't do that, right? And that's and I know that that's it's not exclusive to black culture. I'm just saying that that's a perspective that I have seen, that I have experienced.
1: Countless times.
0: Right? In various ways. Not always in those direct words, but especially passive-aggressive responses that mean that exactly. So just, you know, being a listener, if, if you realize that this is something that you're going to do know now it is not going to be an easy thing to do, and you have to be prepared to stand your ground for it. Do not be afraid of pushback. No matter what your situation is, don't let aggressive pushback or threats be the thing that stops you, because this is another area where generational trauma creates this sort of monstrosity of a response. The, where do you think you're going to go? Or, you know, if you do this, I'm going to cut you off. Let them. Don't be afraid of your own survival instincts. And I know that's not an easy thing for a lot of people to hear, but I'm telling you straight up, do not let that stop you from becoming yourself for any reason whatsoever.
1: I'll bring it back to that same show because it's a really interesting concept that I think they indicate there because, like I said, and again, Bonnie is the mother and Christy's the daughter. That In the show, the character was 39 or 40 when she decided to go to law school. Mm-hmm. She went through community college, for Pete's sake, while mm-hmm. working a full-time job and all that and all of this. But like the concept is that she does... I'm still in the last season, so I don't know for sure, but she's in like gone off the characters on gone off away law school. Mm -hmm. So they don't have the actress in the last season, Mm -hmm. but the concept is she came over all of that. got through the generational trauma to the point, like she still is interesting because her mother found love, you know, partway through the series, Mm -hmm. but she had experienced love. And the daughter one, Christy, there really hadn't experienced love until late, and yet, again, still doesn't. She still doesn't have a relationship, mm-hmm. and can't seem to make a relationship stick. So, they're still working on that, but she is going to get through. Like she got some super special scholarship, mm-hmm. the character, and it's very indicative to see coming through that that generational trauma so like the point there is like she's 40 going to law school Mm -hmm. that's okay yeah when i went to university like yes i had i didn't manage to get through i had my own issues Mm -hmm. getting so sick there but when i was there there was a mother and daughter going to school together and there was one woman in who was taking the class she was sitting there and she had gray hair and I don't mean, like, from young age. Like, she was in her 60s. Right. It, like, I'm not saying that exclusively about university, but the point is, the concept here that I'm trying to illustrate is that don't get into a thought of you're too old to change.
0: In fact, don't even think that you're too young to make a change. That too. We've come across clients who left home when they were 14 or 15, yeah, that Like, too. they recognize, fuck this shit. I'm the fuck out of here. And they sought out whatever government assistance they needed and they got the fuck out of there.
1: I mean, to this day, I know it may sound terrible to say because, I mean, I still love my mother, but with all that I was going through, I kind of wish I had done so. Mind you, knowing now about my autism, who knows whether or not it would have worked. Yeah, you
0: probably would have found a way.
1: But I think, I had an optimal time right around 15 that I could have gotten through what my brain needed to get through because by the time I hit my 17 and a half and getting and, you know, starting university, by then I was completely burnt out and got so sick it wasn't funny Mm -hmm. and didn't get through university. But theoretically, had I been able to escape that level of trauma and not constantly being in that... Fight or flight response that was constantly going. If I had left, being able to leave home, even at sixteen, it and maybe would've, it would have been, been different. a different, different story. It would have been well, a it would have been story. different in some way. Yeah. And I want to say think that even that little extra time might have been what I needed. And I mean, that was sticking around one, for my mother and my brother. But yeah,
0: the only the only real challenges that come with leaving home that early that I have personally observed is adults don't take you seriously. No matter what level of maturity you display, there are the majority of adults that don't give a shit about what you think at that age. And
1: And you can't get anything in your own name either. I couldn't get my own power bill in my name until I was 18.
0: Right. You know, because as far as the government system that is in place now is concerned you are not considered an adult. You are considered a child until that time.
1: Yeah, you right? can graduate at 17.
0: Yes. You're, you're more than welcome to graduate when you're 17. They don't give a fuck about it either. <laughs> like, <laughs> because jobs, like serious career jobs, still don't take you seriously at 17. Unless you get on a world stage, and even at that, the only thing that they're really willing to do is to employ you so that they could take your shit (laughs) like it's a really fucked up situation so and I'm saying that because like for people it's like you have to understand the reality of the thing that is happening you know we've gone through helping people with a variety of different things and how to navigate those worlds so we understand that this there is way to navigate this so that you still come out on top but you have to be prepared to understand that you are taking on a very serious raging bull by being aware of the generational traumas that are in your family and addressing them within yourself so that you stop those generational tragedies, so that you stop those attitudes, so that you stop all of those effects from ruining your life or from controlling the life that you want to live. This this is this is the purpose behind it. I mean if you're cool with where you're at and what your family is and what your family has done,
1: yeah.
0: This this episode's not for you. It's cool. <laughs> but, but maybe if you, you can
1: help someone with not knowledge.
0: Yeah. I mean, but if, if if you if you're listening to this and you realize yeah, I got some fucked up shit in my past. I need to, like, then this is, I'm letting you know that this is what it is. If you're going to take it on, you have to be smart about taking it on in that, one, be really thankful that you're aware of it. And two, you got to do some research to see where it's coming from. And that's one of the things that that, you know, we both have done like you have to actually go back you have to ask questions and expect that when you ask your family so uncle so-and-so what happened to him and if you see family members getting flustered they want to talk about it all that shit just just leave it be
1: at least know there's something there
0: you you at least yeah for sure you can can work
1: with something happened
0: that That is a far, that is a, no, sorry, not far. That is the closest clue that you're going to have that some fucked up shit happened and it's in the family.
1: It's like how I don't know for sure whether my grandparents got married out of a consensual pregnancy thing or right. not. Right. But I'm not going to go asking and inquiring too far. Yes, I'm totally curious, but getting out just that, I don't even have 100% confirmation that they got married because she was pregnant. Right. Like I'm not going to go delving into that. But when you there's you you know when you for example ask some curious history and get a little bit of history you can piece a few things together and at least have a concept as to where certain things may have occurred and that understanding really the key with generational trauma is getting the understanding of the fact that it exists know where it's come from and simply take an assessment of how it is affecting you and, by- and, and not in a victimizing way but more in a, in a manner of assessing how it's affected you and what changes you want to make if any
0: I was just going to say that, so I'm glad you you said that. Now, the only other thing I would add to that is this is not exclusive to just bad shit that has happened in your family. Even when you have a perfect background, take stock of it. Assess it. Because if you find that you have a propensity for doing something that works out, look into it, right? Right? Don't, don't just let that slide, because you have to remember, even if it's something great, that's something that you will pass on. You know, it, genetically speaking, that's something you're going to pass on. And whereas it comes to you naturally, it may not come to your children naturally. you got to be able to have it under lock so that you could explain to them, okay, you might be having some trouble with this. Let me show you how to do this by doing this. right?
1: That's a great great thing to address because that is very true. Even taking stock of something that you feel is natural and being able to explain it to your children or even anyone else that you may be you know, raising or helping in any capacity. Yeah. Just to be able to take assessment that... It's not just something you do or something natural. And be able to explain it is massive.
0: That was one of the key things that made me really pull away from families: the realization that they had spiritual knowledge among, like, my dad's side. And not a single fucking one of them ever did, thought, okay... Let's let's teach the younger generation so that they could become more self sufficient. Not one of them. Not a single one. And those who happen to get piecemealed out a few ideas, it was under the auspices of "you never tell so and so," "you never tell so and so." Like that's just that's fucking ridiculous. The
1: only reason you know this is because you have one family member who for the sake of the whole thing i'm just not going to say but there is one family member who has given you some of these nuggets absolutely going against the grain and giving you some of nu- the nuggets and you're like what because you got a totally different story in between the two you, you pieced up together
0: right and it, and it should never ever be like that regardless of what it is like it should never ever be like that so, I have had to pursue my own knowledge in the way of things, so I mean, for me, that's where that's where it stops the The disinformation, the secretiveness, all of that it stops because I will never ever do that to to our daughter. like not it will never happen, like she's going to know what she needs to know. Because at the end of the day, if it was someone else, they would kill for that knowledge. And we we've seen people try to do that to us. So you know, there's, this is not this is not a proof of concept. This is there's actual proof on this shit.
1: So I think that kind of covers generational trauma.
0: What do you think?
1: Well- Do you have any other thoughts? I
0: guess to kind of recap it, know that you first and foremost, you have to be aware that you are experiencing generational trauma. And you you have to truly be aware of it. Like you have to have deep proof. The proof comes from the research. What you're experiencing has this happened to other family members. The things that you feel very prone to do, the things that you feel like you have no control over doing, are there other family members who have had the same thing happen to them or happening to them at the same moment? <clears throat> and how far back does this go? If you find if, if you find it goes like from your parents to your grandparents, that's probably good enough, but I mean, if you really want to do deep research and you have access to finding out, you know, from great-grandparents, you know, even if you're adopted, you know, try to still find out. It, it's not easy. It definitely becomes a greater degree of difficulty if you're adopted, but still try to find out. Work your best to find out because it will give you the start. The, the surety to know that, okay, I am actually experiencing generational trauma. From that point, now you have to go into observation mode and truly understand, okay, what have I really been experiencing? What are those things that trigger me the most? And how have I responded? What, what, what responses have I personally put out there in the universe based on those triggers and then you have a place that you can start to understand okay how do I break this because breaking it is the first step before trying to subliminate and replace things which is often a way that psychology deals with a lot of issues you know you gotta sub- sublimate you know you just switch it for something else like some things that will work for it definitely does not work for everything and i've rarely ever seen it work for generational trauma so you have to figure out what the thing is that you're going to cut off and be prepared to know that if you cut it off out of your life people will throw a fucking tantrum about it you have to be prepared for that this is no bullshit. Like you have to be fully prepared that if you choose to stop the continuity of that trauma in your life that has been proven to be generational, even things like drinking or smoking or whatever it is, the second you choose to stop, you are going to cause other people what they perceive as trauma just by you stopping. And you have to be prepared to stand your fucking ground on it. From there, you have to make the concession of choices to decide if you're going to stay in the environment of that trauma or not. And that's usually the one that really kills most people. Not physically, or sometimes not physically, but that's usually the most difficult decision because most people think that they can't get out of it. You know, they can't leave their house. They can't leave their area. They can't leave, you know, or like for you For you, as an example there, in your mind, I'm not leaving my brother. I'm not leaving my mom in that situation. Like, you know what I mean? And those are choices that you have to make. You have to understand what those choices mean. If you're going to save someone that you perceive as close to you, to come out of those same generationally traumatic situations, you also have to, you have to know what that involves. And you have to be prepared to stand your ground on it. Because sometimes it's a good thing to do that. And sometimes you may not be able to do it in the moment. Sometimes you've got to go and get your armor and get your mental weaponry on and then come back and deal with it. So be prepared for these things. Don't just go willy-nilly trying to solve generational trauma. Be prepared for these things. That's what's going to start you on the right path to solving this. Because trust me when I tell you, it can be solved. We've seen it, and we are continuously doing it. So that's, that's all I got.
1: I think that about wraps it up. For me as well. Yeah. 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 I like that. All right. Well, we're out of here then. All right, we're running yeah. out of words. No sense on and having a wordless podcast. <laughs> wordless <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> she says. <laughs> oh,
1: alright
0: We have one more to go before we end the season. So
1: keep tuned. We're tackling another trauma issue. For the next episode. Yep.
0: All right. We're out.